Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. Amen. Please go ahead and be seated at this time and uh, let me just share with you just a few announcements, and uh, then we are going to get right into the Word, and from the Word, we'll go right into a time of communion. Those of you who are viewing from home, we would ask you to get uh, your elements uh, ready at home so that when we are here in the sanctuary about to receive the communion and the sacraments, that you will likewise take and join in with us in taking that communion. In our announcements today, there are... Um, uh, obviously a sheet that we hope each one of you got and it concerns the number of products that we have in the pantry that we would love to give to you today uh, our, our our net is breaking uh, it's so much coming in that we can as you would say hardly keep up with it I was blessed to be able to see that we were able to reach to churches much larger than us but they had nothing in their pantry and we were able to supply not just one, but four, five, six pallets of food to other pantries. And then we have enough for you too, amen? So God has connected us and God has blessed us. And, you know, whether there be few or whether there be many, you know, the Bible says God is not what? He's not limited. But I am so thankful that God chose us to be a conduit to make sure that the blessings flow. And I believe in my heart, this is why this church is called Rainbow that it requires a rainbow of humanity. Red, yellow, black, white, from every culture, from every ethnicity, from every generation of people, helping and flowing together. Heaven is one place. Heaven has one God. There's one Jesus. There's one Holy Spirit. There's one Father. And they are one. And we as his people must learn how to become one, one in the Spirit, one in the Lord. And it just starts with someone taking the initiative. Amen? Let it be you. The Bible says God is no respecter of person. And one of the things that we have to do as a people, never look at people based on the color of their skin. Look at them always by the content of their character. Now Martin Luther King was famous for saying that expression, but he was so right so ahead of his time, so in time and in line with what we need to be doing now. Folks, the Bible is not looking for us to separate ourselves along ethnicity nor along denomination, but the Bible is looking for streams of ministry to learn how to flow together. And so that's what God has been doing all week long in the midst of us. Um, every one of us as Rainbow Family Christian Center, I really want you to consider this coming Saturday and that perhaps you will get up and come and volunteer. We are going to be serving. Last time we served on a Saturday, there were 300 cars that came to the line. It was from, and Pat said it actually was more than that. So I'd simply say 300 plus. Folks, some of you know that even this week, Wednesday, I think it was, was the end of what we know as SNAP which was a, 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 a food uh, subsidy for families in need. It came to an end. 
So the lines aren't going to get shorter. They're going to get longer. Finances being cut, all of this stimulus, it won't come back. Well, even getting a shot, a COVID shot, won't be free anymore. And people are in need now, and the need is getting greater. But I would say as a pastor in this church, the need here is getting greater, and the need is for servants, people who are not just hearers, but people who are doers. People who don't just like to stand in front of people and make a lot of noise, make a preach, teach, but who don't mind rolling their sleeves up and saying, I'll work. Now, you might not be the person that will pack a bag, or you could be the person that will help with some of this paperwork that we have to do. You could be a person that could answer a call and, and be able to help with a language that perhaps I don't speak so well, but you do. So there are many capacities. And look, you got to get your children involved too. I know we say, well, how old should they be? If they're with you as a parent, then it's okay, whatever age they are, because I think they ought to be able to look up at mom and dad and say, this is what it means to serve. This is what it means to step outside of my house that the Lord has blessed me with and be a blessing to someone else. Now, we have been blessed. I, 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 a fraternity that I'm a part of called Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity. Men have been coming, and they've been happening, and we're thankful. But when I look around, I want to see more than people coming from the outside. The first people that I look for is the people that are on the inside. I looked at the fact that we had so much this week that I, I, I said to Anna, I said, we're going to have to go out into the highways. We loaded up the truck and went right into an apartment complex. And within one hour, the truck was empty. That's how it, it was speaking to us, that people's cupboards are empty. And I need some go ye people. Matter of fact, I would love to, for a Saturday where we serve right outside the, 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 the back door or the garage, and then we load up a truck and take it to a community where we have people serving, yes, here at the premises, and people who are willing to go and serve at other locations. I hate throwing food away. I was at the Target Center on uh, this week, uh, and I went back with one of our, our, our drivers. His name is Keith, and, 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 and he said, Pastor, look. And I climbed up on a, a ladder. He said, get on this ladder, Pastor, and look. It's a dumpster. The dumpster is one of the longest dumpsters that you could have them to roll off. And he said, look at the product. Folks, I saw chicken. I saw ground beef. I saw fresh fruits and vegetables. I even looked at the dates in the March, beginning of April. But what is it? What's the problem? They've got so much surplus, but they don't have. See, our churches have never really been built to truly serve needed people. We build churches to seek people. But if you look back at the book of Acts, that churches were built so they could also feed people. You remember one of the first squabbles that happened? I'm, well, I'm over here, Lord, but I'll stay here. I, one of the first squabbles or fights that you might say happened in the church is because the Grecian widow said, we're not getting our share of bread, which means they were 
giving bread to people that were in need. And one of the uh, ethnic groups were a Grecian folks. Do you understand when we say Greece, you're talking about Israelites, you're talking about Greeks, you're talking about people from other ethnicity. And so sometimes that barrier that we as human beings create creates those kinds of walls and friction. And so when that wall and friction came up, the disciples were asked, come and help us to resolve this. You remember how the disciples said, you know what? You need to look among you and find people full of the Spirit. But we, the apostles now, need to spend our time. And I, I know that about myself. God is calling me to more and more time of prayer and more and more time of study. And I'm trying to balance it by getting up early. And my wife tells me, honey, you are up way too early these days. I'm on, on an average day, I am up at 3.30. I am in movement at 5.30. I am here at 6 o'clock, and that's seven days a week. And people ask me, Pastor, what's your day off? I don't have one yet. But I'm looking for people that would stand up and say, Pastor, you will have a day off because you have somebody here that will stand in the gap and help make up the hedge. I, I, don't, I, I, I love preaching to you. But if I'm preaching to you and not reaching you, I, I, you know, I was talking, I know Pat was talking to a minister last night and said, I want to quit. I just want to quit. Why won't the people respond? I want to quit. I don't want to quit. I'm not there. But I do want to see people rise up. And I'm saying this concerning this Saturday. Folks, before I see a Kappa or before I see UPS volunteers, I'd like to see some rainbow volunteers. I'd like to see every man of rainbow there saying, Pastor, if you're here at 630, you can look around and find me right here beside you. Now, there are some men that are already doing that, but I sure like to see more. Some people say, I'm too old to do that. You are never too old to come into this sanctuary and pray while we're doing that. Because I need some prayer warriors in here. Because I have to break away. I lead a 10 o'clock prayer meeting. And, and every now and then I, I'll have to say to Ursula, take the lead. Because there's just not enough people on the front line right now. And when you have 300 cars, folks, out in line, you, do you understand that that line goes all the way to you uh, uh, 29? comes down by the three-way stop, come all the way around, go down to the stop sign between Industrial and Tech Road, makes a turn, it's still in line, and then we have at least 10 or 15 in the parking lot lined up. You need as many willing, loving, kind, and tender-hearted people as you possibly can. Now, if you're telling me you're not one of them loving, kind, and tender-hearted people, and you don't want me up here, Pastor, because I'll just be blowing up, then stay home. But if you are a child of God, and especially if you've never, ever thought about getting up on a Saturday and volunteering, you ought to do that. See, some of us want to receive things, but we don't ever want to give anything. Give. And the Bible says that's when it will be given. So give up your time. Pray for somebody in that line. Help lead somebody to Christ. I drove all the way to Newark, New Jersey yesterday morning just to make sure that we could speak into somebody's life and they get saved. And that was a day trip. In other words, up and back the same day and then spend time in the middle ministering the gospel. The Bible says sometimes you have to leave the 99 to go get the one. Yeah. 
that's our heart. I don't know if you all know that. That's Ms. Pat's heart. That's my heart. We don't mind leaving the 99 because what our focus is, can I go get one? Because what do we know about heaven? The heaven says all of heaven will rejoice if just even one soul would come into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We are thankful for that. Last week we were talking about dreaming big. And I said our dreams have to focus and be tied into evangelism, tied into the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? The Great Commission is that we would all go out into the highways and the byways and compel other people to come in. How many of you are glad that you're saved this morning? Don't you wish that everybody were? And so you have the opportunity to tell somebody. You have the opportunity to do influence another person toward the kingdom. This was a person whose um, life had shifted and changed and they had gotten caught up into some level of idolatry. But folks, people aren't far from salvation, even if they are part of a gang, even if they are addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever. They're not far from getting saved. Jesus reached people from all walks of life. All types of entrapments, all types of in, in, enslavement that they were in by just being willing to go. Everybody says, go ye. go ye. Say it again, go ye. Go ye. Say it one more time, go ye. Go ye. So you got to put the go back into go ye. Some people think from a Christian's perspective, all I have to do is sit ye. You're trying to change the gospel. All I have to do is stay in my house. But if you read the Bible very carefully, it says, but they went from house to house. That's when the most effective movement of God took place, when people were willing to go. To go. And we as Christians are really sometimes guilty of the fact that we, 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 we pat ourselves on the back of how great we are as Christians. But we have not yet won a soul into the kingdom of God in years. We are preaching to the choir, so to speak. People who are already saved. Oh, I'm just a teacher. Teaching what? Because if you ain't reaching, you're not effectively teaching. If you're not seeing souls come to Christ, you're just preaching to yourself. This is what God called hypocrisy. He said, these are people who go out and they pray, and they are seen by people. And perhaps at some level, the people think that they are this. But the fact is, the Bible says, it's just a clinging symbol. You're talking a good game. But when it comes to doing, you're doing nothing. I believe it was James Brown. Somebody helped me back in the day. He said, you're talking loud. But you're saying nothing. I don't want to be that kind of Christian that I'm talking all the time, but I'm doing nothing. This is why when I ask you to come and serve at the pantry, I'm not going to ask you to come and serve if I won't serve. I'm not going to ask you to come and pray if I won't pray. I'm not going to ask you to come and attend if I won't attend. Anything I ask you to do, I want you to look around and say, does pastor do it? And you should be able to do that. You know what? I want to be able to do the same thing in your life. But you're not just one of those hearers. You're also one of those that are doing. 
One other thing that happened this weekend, is the pastor still doing announcements? No. <laughs> but I do need to announce this. One of the oldest members, actually the oldest member in our church, and many of you saw her and she would sit right about where Norma is sitting right now with her daughter Rose. Miss Vera went home to be with the Lord on uh, Friday. And um, uh, I remember, and we talked about this last night, your daughter was at that time the youngest person in the church. And I remember them taking a picture. And they said, we're going to take a picture of the youngest one and the oldest one in the church. Hey, Miss Vera was ready to go. Miss Vera loved God. We know where she is. Now, I don't have any details because there are those things that are still in motion in terms of when will the funeral be? I don't know. I know what the desired date of the family is, and that is this coming Friday. But having not yet worked that out with the funeral home, not have worked that out with the cemetery, I can't say that for definitively that's what will happen. I would just simply say to you, that's the desire. And when that is known, which we uh, believe will be tomorrow evening, because the family is not meeting with the funeral director until around 2 o'clock. Uh, so sometime shortly thereafter, we'll have more clarity on when we can have a homegoing service for Miss Vera, and we will make sure that we try to get this out. If we do not have an accurate phone number or uh, email for you, please make sure that, Miss Denise, where are you? Stand up. Are you in, in the sanctuary right now? Miss Denise, I know she was here, but she may be in our, back in our office at some point. But call the church office uh, or see one of us. Make sure we got information where we can contact you. Sometimes, often, you guys will say, oh, you had something, you left me out. Nobody is intending to leave anybody out. But sometimes we are left out because we don't ever fill out information where people can contact you. We live in, in a very electronic world. And sometimes that is the fastest and the most efficient means to get the word out quickly. And so we need you to be connected. If you can't come here, Miss Anise, I just want you all to know who the Miss Anise, when I say Miss Anise, Miss Anise works here. She's our bookkeeper. She's a whole lot of things. She wears probably about 15 different hats. But uh, if you call her, <laughs> she will make sure you get in contact with me. Because, Pastor, I share it with you all the time. I don't read all my emails every day. I am not, my phone go ding, ding, ding. I don't look down at it. Somebody, some of you, when your little phone go ding, you just got to open it up. I don't. And a lot of times, I don't even know where my phone is. And Pat will say, honey, you left your phone at home. Denise will, will, will contact me when I get back, and she say, Pastor, you left your phone in your office. I am not married to my phone, so you won't get past her like that. That's just how I'm wired. Why? Because I find myself talking to people all of the time, and I find the phone very disruptive when I'm in a place of trying to help someone. And so I put my phone off to the side, and so I'm not married to it like that. But you can connect to me by making sure that you go through Miss Denise. And Miss Denise will. She'll, she knows how to track Pastor down. She know how to put notes on all over my screen that says, don't do anything else until you do this. And I follow orders pretty good. My military training kicks back in and I follow orders. But this is a wonderful servant. Give her a great hand. Just know when we say Mr. Niece, that's who we're talking about. Get in contact with her. 
and and that way we will and you will in, be ensure that you get all of the updated information amen you saw us try to put the electronic bulletin back up so sometimes during the times that we're having uh, tithes and offering we may as we sort of linger a little bit what are we trying to do we're trying to get you information that you may not have men you may not even have the number to the prayer line on monday morning all of us men get together at 6 a.m. on Monday morning. If you don't have that, take a picture of what you see on the screen right now. Write that number down. Put it in your, uh, do they say top five anymore? But whatever is a priority in your phone numbers, put that down. And at 6 a.m., join me, join other men, and let's pray together. Like you may get on the line and you might not want to say a thing, but maybe you need to hear just what's being prayed at that time. And maybe it's you, because pastor, this is one of the times where God gives pastor great restraint. I may start out, and I may pray for five minutes, but I'm looking for every man that's on that line. I don't care if you just say, Jesus, I love you. That makes a tremendous impact and difference. Now, I don't expect anybody to pray like me. I don't try to pray like anybody else. But every prayer, sincerely prayed, is heard by God. Every person. God doesn't rate us as, oh, he got an A for his prayers, and he got a B or C or D for his prayers. It ain't like that at all. It's just about where are you sincere about your walk as a Christian man? You may be driving your car. See, we can make calls and drive our cars now. So you might be one of those people, and I know that there are people in here who I know are on the way to work, but they're on that prayer line. There are people that I know that are literally at work, but they take a short moment. Now, men, I, I will tell you, I try to make sure that this prayer stays within a half-hour timeline. I know the scripture says, look, could you not tarry for one hour? I, if you can just tarry with me for a half hour, we'll work our way up to an hour. But that's where we're starting at, men. And so, please, make sure you have that number in your phone. And call. 6 a.m. We start promptly at 6 a.m. I'm probably on there at 5.55. And if you jump on there at 5.55, I'll just have a conversation with you until we other men get on there, and then we pray. But let's get there, and let's keep praying. Your prayers make a difference. The Bible says the prayers of the righteous is what avails much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you ready for the word? Those of you at home, I hope you're ready for the word. On last week when we were talking about dreaming big and touching souls and reaching a multitude of people, I gave you nine points. And I, as I shared with you, they were only highlighting certain things. All nine of these things that I gave you started with the letter P. The first of these letters was what? Preparation. The second was purpose. The third was perspective. The fourth was paradigm, shifting from a paradigm that we may be stuck in. The other was pursuit. There's something that you have to pursue. David says, early in the morning, I rise and seek God. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, and his righteousness and all other things. There has to be a pursuit in your life, even if you have a big dream. And God will give you big dreams. Number six was pathway. You actually have to know the path that you're on and stay on that path. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. There is a path that God puts his people on. 
And the Bible says that path is straight, that path is narrow. He says, don't expect that a lot of people are going to be on the path with you. But stay on that path. The next point that we made in, 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 in number seven was planning. There has to be some level of planning. But you can't start planning without preparation. And today is my focus is going to be on preparation. And then number eight was penitence. In other words, you have to repent. You have to be in a place where God can use you. The Bible said, and you remember I, we emphasized last week, we said, God said, I'm never going to pour new wine into an old wine sack. And we said, why? Because you aren't ready to contain all that God wants to put into you in an unholy vessel. How many of you want to eat out of an unclean plate? Matter of fact, I go to the restaurant, and I see a little spot on the plate, and I say, hey, hey can, you, can you bring me something, what, clean? If you go and they give you a glass that's dirty. I've shared to you, and we had illustrations like this. Um, now, here's one. Nice little Fiji bottle. And I said to you, if I open this bottle, take a small sip out. I said to Whitney here, Whitney, would you go into the ladies' bathroom and dip just a little bit of water out of the toilet and pour it back in here? Not, folks, this won't open a little bit. But she's going to go in the toilet She's going to dip a little cup full, a little cap full, rather, and she's going to pour it back in here. Who's going to drink it? Who's going to drink it? <laughs> Your mama will stop you. <laughs> and what is it God saying? I want clean vessels. I'm not going to use something that's got filth in it. Sin is filth. God said, I'm not going to use you until you get out of what? Sin. Now, he saves you. He says, am I saved? Yes, you're saved. But now he wants to start using you. And what he's going to make sure is that this gets filtered. What, what, was the word, what will the word do? It starts to filter you. What does the blood do? It starts cleansing you. You remember, there was a woman. God, God wasn't mad with her. God didn't go off and, and, and rain down lightning on her. She was caught in adultery. What did God to, do to her? He said, I just want you to stay clean now from going this way. Because he said, these people want to stone you. And the law says they could stone you. But I want to forgive you. But I don't want you to go and sin anymore. Remember what he said to her? I'm not going to stone you, but go. He was putting her back out in society. But he said, go out now. Be among these people, but don't sin. See, how many of you know you're in the world, but you're not of it? You're on a path. You're on a different path. And God's trying to get you on a straight and a narrow path so that you can get to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? I do too. And here's the last and the ninth of those letter words that start with the word P. It was what? Priorities. The Bible says God does everything decently and orderly. The Bible says that we as a people are supposed to seek what? First, the kingdom of God. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Bible says we his people should be praising his name. Let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. This is why I said, this is just dress rehearsal. Anybody ever been in a play? You've, you've had a part in a play? You rehearse, don't you? 
And then uh, before you present it or bring it to the stage, they say, we're going to have a what? A dress rehearsal. Folks, I don't know if you know, this is dress rehearsal before you get to kingdom, to, before you get to heaven. Let me see it again. Let me take a, a survey. How many of you want to go to heaven over here? All right. Let me check this session. How many of you want to go to heaven in this one? Hey, I see you, Maddie. Got your hand up high. So, yeah, I ain't missing that. How many of you over in this section want to go to heaven? Looks like all of them over here, too. Okay, you're the last now. How many of you want to go to heaven? Oh, praise God. Well, if we're going to go to heaven, none but the righteous can enter there. None but the ones who have put things into proper priority will enter there. Make sure you're putting things into proper priority. God first. All the other things will be added unto you. Don't put God off and say, well, I'll get to that later. Or I'll get to that tomorrow. Or sometime along the line, I'll let, you know, I'll serve God. Now. Everybody say now. It's now. It's now that we start to serve God. It's now. And one of the ways that you do that is making sure that you're prepared. This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44. You can find it in your Bible. I'll give you time to. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44. Now, I'm going to be reading from an English standard version of the Bible concerning this scripture. And the other scriptures that I will use today, all of them will come from what we call an ESV or English standard version of the Bible. In chapter 24 of the book of Matthew, in the 44th verse, this is what it says. Therefore, you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. People who are dreaming big are also very cognizant that Jesus is coming back. And if God has given you a big dream, you cannot put it off until tomorrow. You've got to work the work while it is still day. Because you know there is a night coming. There is a dark day coming. You may get tired. I get tired. But you know, where does your strength come from? Where does your help come from? God will renew your strength. God will help you to mount up with wings of eagle and get what he assigns you to do accomplished. Not everybody's going to buy into your dream. And even if they don't buy into the dream, you keep working on the dream. How many of you thought that everybody bought into the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King? But what would he do? He would keep pressing. He would keep marching. They would beat him at times. They would incarcerate him at times. They would uh, turn dogs out on him, put water hoses out. I mean, not water hoses, but hoses from a fire truck. Hoses from hydrants. Massive force. What would he do? The Bible, everything that the Bible says you're supposed to do. A good man will be knocked down at least what? Seven times. But what will he do every time that he's knocked down? Get back up. Come on, give your neighbor a high five and say, get back up today. Get back up because God's got a dream. God's got something that he has put in your heart for you to do. And I can't do it. You can't do what he's called me to do, and I can't do what he's called you to do. But if we will do what he's called us to do and put it together, work together, we will get massive things done, and we will get masses of people saved. So you can't cast away your confidence. I'm telling you, the devil wants you all to quit. 
He wants you to think that your life is not, doesn't have value. Come on, stand up and, and, and push your chest out and lift your head back. Come on, just stand up with me. I want you to push your chest out and lift your head back up and say, Devil, Devil you're a liar. You're a liar. I'm, God's child. I'm God's child. I'm royalty. I'm royalty. I, belong I belong to the King of Kings, King of kings. and the Lord of Lords. I'm the head, not the tail. I live above and not beneath. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. What you've got to realize, go ahead and sit back down, is that you can't lose your confidence. Don't let the devil take your confidence. What happens when the devil takes your confidence? He takes your joy. And if he can take your joy, he now has the ability to take your strength. And it's people who lose their strength that don't have, as it were, a desire to keep going on. And folks, this is not a feeling. I know there's a wonderful song that many people used to love to sing and said, I feel like going on. But this is not based on a feeling. This is based on all faith. And even when I don't feel like going on, I keep going on. Because why? I tap into a source. That gives me strength. I tap into something that's higher than that. You, you, know, you remember how the scripture said, when my heart is overwhelmed. Anybody know what that feels like? When your heart is overwhelmed. He said, then lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In other words, God wants to lift you up out of depression. God wants to lift you up out of despair. God wants to lift you up out of the murk and the mud and the mire that the devil is trying to drag you into. The sense of no confidence, the sense of no self-esteem. God says, no, you are, you, remember Mary? Mary says, how are you doing, Mary? And she says, I'm blessed of the Lord. And what? Highly favored. Somebody shout that. I'm blessed of the Lord and highly favored. And highly favored. And that's confidence. That's just confidence. And so God said, don't let him cast, get you to cast away your confidence. Stay confident. Nothing is too hard for God. And some of you are going through some struggles. I know it. You haven't yet talked to me about it. But every time I'm around you, I can tell you you're going through a struggle. Some of you are going through a struggle with your physical health. Some of you are going in that struggle with your marriage. Some of you are in that struggle with your finances. And I, 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 sometimes you ask God, why do you let me read this person's mail, but then you don't let me talk to them about it? Because he said, I want them to have confidence and trust in you to talk about it. How many of you know that God doesn't talk to you verbally about everything that's going on? He wants you to come and talk to him. He wants you to come and cast that care on to him. I love the fact that there was a man in the Bible, and he is encountering a lady who we only know her name as the Shunanite. I remember Miss Pat preaching about her one time, and she said, we don't even know her name. All we know is that she was a Shunanite woman. Here's this woman. She loves God. She loves the man of God. And what does she do? She goes an extra mile for the man of God. She finds that he's coming through her region preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel. And she says, you know, he ought to have somewhere to just lay his head. Talk to her husband. Say, let's build a little room on our house. And the Bible says that's what they did. They built a room on their house. 
She said, and, and he, I don't know why the Bible told us about how she furnished it, but he talked about the furnishing. And she put a little desk in it, put a little lamp, because she understood that man needs to read the word and be prepared to share the word. I truly appreciate people who pray for me. I take no pleasure in people who all they want to do is just talk about me. We don't take any pleasure in that. And we know we have those among us. They're looking at all the things that they could say is critical. Look, if I opened the pages of your life and had a camera in your house every day, I could see something that I could criticize you about. But that's not what God wants you to see in people. Everybody is flawed. Everybody's dysfunctional. But we're serving a God that isn't. And we are being completed in him. And that's, for, that's why he said, abide in him and let him abide in you. And then you can ask what you will. It's going to be done. But what is God trying to do? He's trying to get us to get to the point in our lives where we know we don't have to carry it alone. So the Shilonite woman was like that. Her son is laying lifeless in her arm. They're going down a dusty road in a wagon to get to the man of God. And she calls out the man of God. And he comes out and he meets her. And she tells him, because he's asked, he sent his servant out first, and he said, I, I, go out and see, because, you know, you, if you, if anybody from the country, you know what it means when I say a dusty road? road's not been paved yet, and so when traffic is moving on it, it creates an amount of what? Dust. And he could see the dust, and so he sent his servant out and said, that's the Shunanite woman. Go ask her, how is it with her husband? How is it with her and how is it with her child? How many of you know what her reply to every one of those questions was? Somebody say it. It is what? It is well. How is it with your husband? Somebody shout it. It is well. How is it with your wife? It is well. Now, this was a big test because she's holding a lifeless child in her hand. How is it with your child? What did she say? You mean she didn't say it is dead? It is lifeless. It is without hope. There is no help. No, she's coming where she knows she can get help. And she's coming based on biblical principles that said, I will call things that be not as though they were. You know what? What was she calling a child? Well, but I like this. When she goes to the man of God, I love what he says. And I may paraphrase this in a sense. But Elijah says, give him to me. Folks, sometimes God expects me as his under-shepherd to take your problem and take it to the altar. But if you don't ever share it, don't get mad at me and say, Pastor didn't. I can't interrupt God's process. The man of God waited for her to come with her child, and he then said, give it. Somebody in here, you're going through one of the most toughest times and challenges of your life. I'm just going to simply say, 
The reason I'm talking this is God wants you to get enough confidence today and say, Pastor, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm going to take it. Might not be in a physical sense like he took the child, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to lay it on the altar all week long. What did the man of God do when he took the child? You remember what he did? The Bible said he took him and laid him on his bed. Folks, this is my bed. This is where I have to come and just lay. This is where I have to come and truly get rest. Wow, I got a really big old bed at home, but sometimes I toss and turn all night long in that one. But when I come here and just lay at the feet of Jesus, come on, you, you heard of Whitney leading us in that song today? There's miracles in the house of the Lord. Everything at the feet of Jesus. And God has this process of saying, look, I put these under shepherds here. Come and lay them in their hand. Folks, I know how to take what you bring to me and not take it home. Because if I take it home, I'm going to be up all night, can't sleep, can't rest. And sometimes I feel your pain. Sometimes what you're going through in a physical sense, like, oh, God, why is that hurting my body like that? Because you just took it. But you don't have to keep it. You are supposed to put it on the altar. You're supposed to put it on the bed of God. That man took it. See, folks, you need something more in life than just a flashy preacher. And some of you are settled for just flashy preachers. I don't mind, you know, somebody said, you clean up pretty well. I don't mind cleaning up. But I ain't just a flashy preacher. I'm going to get there in there with you. But I won't get in there if you ain't invited me to come in there. This woman invited the man of God to come in to the point of hurt. And he said, I'll take your pain. Every one of us needs somebody that will take our pain. You're in Matthew chapter 24. <laughs> Woo. Alfred, can you help me with these scriptures a little bit? Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Here's another one. 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being what? Prepared. To make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You don't force anything on people. This is a, a, a word that has to be given with the most respect and gentleness to people. Why do you do what you do? It's like, you remember me sharing you the testimony of the, the uh, tow truck driver? saying, tell me about Jesus. I, I didn't get in the truck and say, here, take this, take this uh, flyer. Take this track. I got in just as I was, and he asked. The Bible said, men will see your good works and will begin to ask you, what manner of love is this? Let people see Jesus. How many of you know the scripture that said, you are a living testament being read daily by men? 
In other words, folks, you, the Bible is simply saying people are paying more attention to what you're doing than what you're saying right now. And a lot of people are saying a lot, but people don't see you doing anything. And when they don't see you doing anything, but perhaps murmuring and complaining, and some of us, even Christians, I found live in fantasy worlds. You're in a fantasy. It's not a dream. You're in a fantasy world. And you're trying to get somebody to buy into your fantasy. I will sit and listen to you all day long. And the Spirit of the Lord will get me up and say, fantasy. They're living in fantasy worlds. And until they come to a point of repentance, I can't help them. Until they come to a place where they deal with the truthfulness of life. How many of you know what the truth will do? You shall know the truth, and the truth will do what? Try to live in a world of lies. Try to live in a world of fantasy. Try to live in a world of make-believe. You're going to find that after a while, people are going to figure that out real quick. You don't know God. You don't even love God. How many remember the sons of Sceva in the Bible? All right, you got your smart devices. Just look up, just type in Sons of Sceva, S-C-I-V-A, Sons of Sceva, and it's going to give you the reference in the Bible to these men who went in trying to pretend that they knew God, trying to pretend that they loved God, trying to pretend that they had Christ in them, and the devil recognized you ain't got nothing in you but smoke. And did he smoke them? The Bible says he beat them so bad, he tore their clothes out, and they came running out in the street naked. You do not want to be at a place where your life, you're living it in fantasy. And, and I, we have a friend in Florida. She would say, if that's your fantasy, you go live it. But it ain't no reality for me. You got to live in the real world. Look at your name and say, let's live in the real world. And in the real world, God is trying to give his people dreams and saying, these are things that I can bring to pass if you'll let me. But you got to be prepared. Prepared is not meaning planning, folks. Some of you think the word planning and prepared are the same. No, I'm going to get to this area in this message about planning, but I'm talking about just simply being prepared, being watchful, standing firm in the faith, being strong in the Lord in the midst of even adversity, knowing that he is well able to perfect the things that concern your life. You know, I think about a time when I was taking kids on a bicycle ride, and, and in the midst of the bicycle ride, one of the kids' tires went flat, and I realized I wasn't prepared to do what I was trying to do. I should have had a, a pump with me. I should have had some uh, uh, patches so I could patch up the inner tube and keep going. I wasn't prepared. How many of you have ever seen people run? I thought about running in uh, a marathon just recently uh, concerning breast cancer, and, and the Lord says, no, you're, you're not going to run in that, that particular one. I've got something else for you to do. But I know this. When I do and I have run in those kinds of marathons, you better be prepared. You better know where the stations are where you can get a drink of water. 
You, might, you, you need to know the route that you're about to take. You must know your endurance or stamina level. And then when God gives you a dream, he's giving you something where he's trying to tell you, now get prepared. This is a dream. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to accomplish. But you need to be prepared in order to get it done. One of the most um, prolific dreamers or perhaps the most well-known dreamers in the Bible is a young man by the name of Joseph. How many of you have heard of Joseph in the Bible? I'm not talking about Mary's husband. We're talking Old Testament here. Joseph. Joseph starts out, and we know him first. They said he was a little boy that his father loved so much that he made him a coat, and the coat was a coat of many colors. The Bible says when he gave that son the coat, the other sons got jealous of him. Anybody ever had a sibling get jealous of you? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sometimes your coworkers get jealous of you. Sometimes your neighbors get jealous of you. Sometimes people will try to, as it were, squash your dream. And sometimes it's coming purely from the point of jealousy. And so Joseph has a dream. And while do he go through something? See, one of the things I guess I'm trying to get you to see, when God gives you a dream, you need to be prepared that everybody is not going to link up with your dream. But dream anyhow. Everybody's not going to support your dream. Dream anyhow. You may look back and say, man, how much did I invest in this person and doing this and doing that? And now, I can't even get them to say hello. But you have to keep dreaming anyway. You know, I realized at one time there was a, you might call it a coup. There were people who were meeting secretly and they were going to have a vote to vote me out of office in, as in the church. So y'all didn't all know that. Yeah, sometimes stuff that's hidden get revealed because people that were part of it realize how sinful it was and come back and ask for repentance and ask for forgiveness for having taken part. Having in See, folks, you can't be a part of insurrections. The only kind of revolution that a piece of person should be involved in is one that's going to bring about godly change. Godly change. See, it's Lucifer created a, 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 a revolution. But was that going to bring godly change? What was that about? That was about Lucifer. That's about, the Bible says he was full of pride. And he said, I can do this better than God can do this. And so sometimes there are people who are going to say, whatever your dream is, I can do it better than you do it. But you've got to know who called you to the dream. And even when they don't line up with the dream, even when they don't see the dream, even when they don't won't re, as it were, reinforce that dream that God has given you, you have to know, I heard from God, and I'm staying with what I heard from God. I'm not going to lean and turn to the left or the right. I'm just going straight the way God told me to go. Look, do you realize that the message I preached about young David? There was nobody lined up behind David and saying, okay, we're going to battle with you, David. Do you know most people were still looking at the tent, looking out the tent and saying, well, let's see what happens. 
there to face that giant? Who do you think he is? And they know that they have been cowards. For 40 days, they have been nothing but cowards. The Bible says that giant came out every day for 40 days and taunted them. You know what he would say? Send me a man. Send me your best man out here. And then when the giant sees this little boy coming, David, he said, he come on, folks. I don't know if you have read how big his javelin was. This guy's got a, a, a spear that's larger than human beings. And he said, what are you doing sending this little lad out here? Am I some kind of dog? And basically he said, I'm just going to rip this little child apart and throw him back over into your camp. And everybody's still looking out there. I wonder what's going to happen. See, when you know God and you have a dream from God, you're not looking for who's behind you. You're looking at who's above you. You're looking who surrounds you with favor like a shield. You're looking for the one who's ahead. You're looking for the one who is your foundation. So David is not going in the strength of men. He's going in the strength of God. David has not looked at the army. David has not even looked at Saul. Even though Saul tried to put his armor on David, David said, it don't fit. Anybody ever put a suit on and you know the suit is too big? I tried that the other day. I put a coat on. Man, it swallowed me. I mean, it was big. Well, maybe I still can wear it. No, I looked around and said, no, it is way too big. I can't. So I took it off. Sometimes you have to just got to know what God has given you. Say, say I am not defenseless. You're not defenseless. The weapons that God gives you are, he says, they're not carnal. They are mighty through God, and you can pull down strongholds. One of your weapons, I tried to help you to understand, one of your weapons is your own hands. And I'm not talking about taking your hands and doing them like this. I'm talking about taking your hands and doing them like this. I'm talking about taking your hands and doing them like this. I'm talking about taking your hands and just clapping your hands. I'm talking about praising God. The weapons of your warfare, not carnal. A whole army gets defeated because a praise and worship team went out before Jehoshaphat and the king and all of the soldiers. And the Bible says that all they found and all they had to do was pick up the spoils. See, praise if you let praise precede you, if you let worship precede you in the dream that God gives you. So when God gives you the dream, just keep praising. When people start criticizing, just keep praising. When people start saying, that's impossible, just keep praising God. Just keep loving God. See, in the Bible, I look at, there was a man named Abimelech. He had a dream. How many of you remember Abimelech? Abimelech has this dream based on the fact that God is warning him. And some dreams are for your warning. Here's Abimelech. Abimelech is a man who, when Abraham and Sarah was traveling through a particular region, he looked down at Sarah. And I, I always laugh when I think about that because Sarah is old. Abraham is old. But when this king Abimelech looked at Sarah, to him she was a hottie. You all know what I'm talking about. He said, man, she See, folks, people didn't have as much of the sin on them as we do. And so they could live long lives and still look good. 
And she looks so good that Abimelech says, I want her. Now, Abraham was a little bit jacked up, being afraid instead of trusting God. He said, now, I know the king is going to want you because you, you, baby, you look hot. And I know he's going to want you. So tell him, you're my sister. But you don't have to ever draw back from who God has called you to be and the positions that God has put you in. You just have to take a stance and trust God with the dream that he's given you. But Abraham at that moment wasn't trusting God fully. And he said, if he comes up here, if he rolls up here on you, you just tell him you're my sister. And sure enough, Abimelech rolled right up on Sarah. Come on, baby, come on into my house. <laughs> and he took her, took her to his house. Abraham ain't do nothing. Abraham didn't do nothing. You, do you realize Abraham didn't do nothing? And God had to do something. God had to do something because Abraham wasn't doing nothing. Scared. Not trusting God. So he takes Sarah and then God gives Abimelech a dream. And this is what God said. Don't you dare touch her. Don't you dare touch her. And, and Abimelech starts to talk back to God in the dream. See, sometimes your dream become so real. How many of you know that you woke up out of your dream and you were talking? You woke up out of your dream and you know you were in the dream. You know you were a part of it. You know you were walking through those very acts. And so Abimelech know he knows it's God. And he says, but God, will you, will, will, will you punish me? Because I didn't do wrong here. When I asked, he said, that's my sister. She said, he's my brother. And so I said, you're my honey. Come on. I put that one in there. But you know that's what happened. And he says, so I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. But God, God stepped in in that particular moment and through a dream and spoke to Abimelech and said, don't you touch her. That's another man's wife. See, God can touch. Folks, this is what I want you to know. When it's a dream from God, you don't have to do anything to try to so-called retaliate against people. I trust God enough that God will speak to them. There was a man who said, I don't have any respect for God. I don't do anything that God tells me to do. I'm the king. And then one night, the Bible said he's laying up on his bed, and the finger of God came down, wrote on the wall. And God said, these are some of the things that are going to happen to you. I'm going to put you on your knees. You're going to even eat grass like cows. The Bible says his nails grew so long. This is why I don't I would like to see a man with long nails. But you don't know what that represents. And he became like an animal until he recognized there's a God. There's somebody bigger than me. There's somebody greater. Some, come on, lift your hand. Says, there's somebody bigger than me. There's somebody greater than me. There's somebody so more awesome. And this is a God who created you. If you ever get so big. My dad used to use a word that I didn't, I didn't like so much. He said, boy, don't you get too big for your britches. Every now and then, Miss Pat uses that word, britches. Where's your britches? I'm like, what's our britches? It's a British word, you know, britches. My dad would say that. Don't get too big for your britches. What was he trying to say, son? There's someone greater. There's something greater than you. And don't get to the place where you think you are the captain of your own soul. You are not. 
That is one of the dumbest expressions that you can ever speak out of your mouth, that you are the captain of your own soul. You are not. Now, you can try to take your soul and manage your soul and go to hell. And that's what will happen. But if you'll give your life to Christ, let him save your soul. Let him redeem you. Let him cleanse you. He will then direct you. He will then use you. He will then elevate you in whatever area you need to be elevated in. And this is why the Bible says, don't lean to your own understanding. Acknowledge God and what? All, not just some. Not just when you're in trouble. Lord, help me. Lord, 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 if you get me out of this. Lord, if you get me out of this. Oh, Lord, if you just, please get me out of this. No, every day of your life, acknowledge God. Every day, know that you need God. And every day, know that this. It's not that so much that God needs you, but because he loves you and wants to use you. Somebody said he didn't have to do it, but he did. God could have used the birds of the air, but he chose you. God could have used the trees of the field, but he, he chose you. And we should be thankful. We should be at a place where we are a place of gratitude. Go to Genesis chapter 37, and I'll try to do this real quick because it's time to perhaps wrap it up. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. I thought I was going to be over in the New Testament concerning the 10 versions, and relative to, you know, being prepared. And I think you all know that story. The Bible says there were ten virgins who went to meet the bridegroom and five took oil and five took no oil, which means that five went prepared and five didn't go prepared. We're talking about preparation, church. We're talking about a dream that God gives you, but this dream requires you to be prepared. God has given us all a dream about heaven. But you've got to be prepared if you're going there. You've got to be prepared. And so in Genesis chapter 37, let me start. Uh, I'll just start in the first verse. Verse 5 is where we start to get into the meat of it, though. But in verse number 1 of the 37th chapter of the first book in the Bible, Genesis, it says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old. Everybody say 17 years old. I always like you to know that people that God used, he used a lot of young people. And I believe that he used a lot of young people because sometimes we old people, we get stuck in a rut. And we get complacent. You don't want to see change. And you're never really going to be an agent of change. You just want things to stay the same. I said, my father did well, but he could have done better. My father never used a cell phone in 90-plus years of living. He thought they were just noisemakers. Now, oftentimes, he did see us using the phones for stupidity. Because he'd look at my niece, would always be on Facebook. 
talking about she got 127 friends, and he said, you know, you don't. You don't have no 100-plus friends. How many of you know, I don't care how many followers you have, they ain't really following you. At the moment that you have a, 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 um, some type of slip-up in life, you know, I, I was watching, and, they, and everybody's talking about this basketball player, uh, Morant, right now. And they saw him in some place holding a gun. And all who were fans of his are now critics of him. See, folks, everybody ain't your friend. And I don't care how much Facebook tells you that they're your friends. They're not your friends. You will have no friend greater than the friend that you'll find in Jesus. Find him and become a friend of God. And so, let me read on. Joseph being what? 17 years old. I would love to have a, a group of 17 years old, 16 years old, 15 years, 14 years old. That's about it. About Christ. So Joseph was feeding his flock, and, and, and the lad was with the son of Bilah and with the sons of Zippal and his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, verse 3, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors, which I spoke about a moment ago. And verse 5, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they loved him. You're, you're really reading your Bible, aren't you? They, they what? They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Sometimes you folks, you just wonder why. You know, why is that person mad with me? They're mad with you because sometimes they're just jealous of who you are and what the relationship you have. And they were upset with his relationship that he had with his father. Some people say, maybe Israel wasn't right loving that one more than it. Look, parents love all their children differently. I come from a family of 10 people. My parents loved all of us differently because we were all different personalities. With different personalities. And so God put it in the heart of this father to love this son. And I believe that God knew, I want to use this one. I really want to use this one. I think about David. David is not loved by his brothers. We tried to show you that when it came to Goliath. His brother said, what have you come down here to see? The battle? And I just laugh. I get a good laugh about that because there is no battle. Forty days, all you're doing is running into the tent, being a coward. That's not a battle. The battle is who can get back to the tent first. And David said, I didn't come to see that. I, I, if he came to see that, he came to see who is going to be a champion for the Lord. But I, I, I pick up this all the time when I'm reading that story because David asked his brother, what have I done now you know if you make a statement like that that means something has been a pattern and the pattern has been every time you say something to me it's critical 
Every time you don't have any compliments for me, you don't have any praise for me, you don't have any good reports for me, every time you speak to me, it's about some shortfall that you believe I have. It's about some inadequacy that you think that I have. So David had to learn, and you have to learn, if you're going to dream big, you've got to be able to get past people who all they have is negative comments about you. Shortfalls that they see in you. I've got some shortfalls. You've got some shortfalls. But you've got to be able to stand above your shortfall. And let, you, let people say, I'm standing on the promises of God. And that's what he was doing. He was standing. And Joseph had to learn how to do this too. Let me say this about your dreams. Real quick. Every dream that God's given you can never really be activated until you're serving people. You think about the dream that God gave Joseph. And I'm going ahead because of time. Every time the blessings were to come on Joseph, it was because he was serving. Remember? He served his brothers. Look, they put him in a pit. He didn't murmur. He didn't complain. They sold him into slavery. The slave owner sold him to Potiphar. What did he do? He just blessed Potiphar's house. What did Potiphar's wife do? Lustful, lustful, lustful. And she was, just had to have this young boy. He ran out of the house. She accused him of rape. They found him. They put him in prison. What did he do? When do you see Joseph gifting of dream and dream interpretation? When he's helping someone. When will your dream come to fruition? Don't just come and say, Pastor, I had a dream. Pastor is really going to try to connect you to the service that you need to do so that the activation of that dream comes to pass. And the activation of your dream comes to pass because it's always planted in the soil of need. God's trying to help get you to meet a need in somebody's life. See, look at every time you deal with Joseph's dream, he's dealing with somebody's need. When he was in prison, remember he's in prison? All the people that come, they have dreams. What did jo Joseph do with the gift that God has given to a dream? Help meet a need. When he actually is called before the king, what's, what's happening? The king is having a dream, right? Nobody can interpret the dream. All of these peoples and sorcerers that he had around him cannot interpret the dream. Now, I didn't feel like it was kind of fair the way the king asked about the dream, though. How, how would you feel if somebody said, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me what dream I dream, and then you give me an interpretation of it. Like, whoa, that's a hard one. That's kind of like the professor saying, answer the question, but we didn't cover this in the, in the class. We haven't even covered this in the book. But I want you to tell me, what, is, what was my dream? And tell me the interpretation of my dream. But when it's a God dream, and it's a God gifting, you'll be able to do that. And that's what Joseph was able to do. But he was meeting a need. Because the king was being disturbed. He is called to be that leader. And nobody can be king unless God allows them to be king. Nobody can be president unless God allows them to be president. Nobody can be in the positions that they are unless God allows it. The hearts of the king or in the hands of God, and he can turn it, whatever the die he wants. And so here's what happens. Joseph understands the dream. What's the dream? Well, king, this is what you dream. 
you see seven fat cows and you also see seven skinny cows and all of a sudden you then see the seven fat cows eat up the seven skinny cows they must have been Chick-fil-A fans <laughs> and then he said here's the other part of the dream king you see seven healthy stalks of wheat. And you see seven unhealthy stalks of wheat. And what happens? The seven healthy eat up the seven unhealthy. And he says, oh, king, this is the meaning of it. Over the next course of time, there will be seven years of plenty. That's a fat cow. That's the healthy wheat. Seven years of just plenty. But yet, immediately following are going to be seven years of famine. So king, what is the action that you need to take as a result of the interpretation of this? In the famine, in the, in the, the years of plenty, you need to store up. Multitudes of nations are going to have to come to you to get food. Everybody knows the law of supply and demand? Tremendous demand, but limited supply. And you might have to only go to one source to get your supply. And he said, you're going to be that source that nations are going to have to come to. Dreaming a dream. Big dream. And every time Joseph is active in his dream, he's helping to meet a need. Because without the interpretation of that dream, many nations are going to starve. So the king takes that advice. Here's what's happening with Joseph. Though it looks like Joseph was in the gutter, Joseph is being elevated every time. One of the things about people who dream, you get to the point in your life, I believe, where you say, Father, why am I able to help so many people and I can't help myself? It will appear like that. Because Joseph can't help himself get out the gutter. Joseph can't help himself get out of prison. Joseph can't help himself. And I'm sure Joseph cried many nights and said, Lord, what about me? God says, your time. Everybody say, your time is coming. Your time is coming. There's a day, God says, your labor is not in vain. You just need to continue in the dream. There are many people who criticize Martin Luther King and say, why do you keep going out here talking about nonviolence? Matter of fact, we need to go take what we need to take, any means necessary. And a lot of people arm themselves. A lot of people burn down various things because they said, we're going to speak in a violent way. And, and Dr. King said, no, you ain't going to win very much with that. And look at where all those organizations were that chose that kind of path. And so some of you may say, well, Pastor, we haven't come very far. Yeah, we have. I lived in an era, folks, where I couldn't ever go through the front door of a restaurant. When I watch kids now going through the restaurant, they don't think anything of it. And I said, man, I have lived the era. If I was going to get something, I had to go to the back door. 
I have lived in an era where people threw trash at me, threw all kind of words at me because I was going to a school called integration. They were, we were integrating. I wasn't supposed to be there. Only kids that were of a particular color were supposed to be there, and my color wasn't that color. But I went there. God calls me to rise up at the top of that school, to come out with the highest cumulative grade point average in that school. But here's the thing. You have to dream the dream. And God has a dream for you. God has plans for you. And the Bible says, all the plans that God has for you is for good and not for evil. But the plans that he has for you may take you through the valley and the shadow of death. The plans and the dreams that he has for you may cause you to feel some pain. I can't tell you how many days I was mad with my parents and said, what is wrong with my parents? Putting me in a school like this, the only child of color, where the N-word was something I heard every day. There's not one day I went to class and did not hear the N-word. But my parents said, kept helping me to see, dream the dream. I went to a school, folks, that there were three bathrooms at the school. Boys, girls, other. Guess who was other? But you have to have people who can help you dream the dream. Here's what the dream was. Son, how many children have their own personal bathroom? So what was meant for evil, God knows how to do what? Turn it for good. You have to truly know that when Potiphar put Joseph into the jail, it was meant for evil. But what did it happen? It turned for his good because he now would help people in the prison who many of them forgot about him. There are people who you can help in life who will forget about you. And you have to keep learning to keep dreaming the dream because you have spent your money, you have spent your time, you have sacrificed, and you have given, and they will forget you. Just look at the cross and how many people have forgotten what God has done. Somebody say, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. But oftentimes people do forget. But dream the dream anyway. There is nobody that I know that has truly been successful that has not gone through some obstacles. I dare you to go and just look at who you think is a successful person and then try to find the journey of them getting to the level of success that they're at. And I guarantee you, you'll find the obstacles. I don't know who you consider your shero or your hero, but I guarantee you, your shero or your hero went to some obstacles before they got to what they now consider by the world as the top. I don't care if it's in the world. I don't care if it's in the word. They went through some obstacle, and it's because they went through that they are now successful. Yea, do I walk through the valley and the shadows of death, but I'm not fearing any evil. Why? God's with me. I want to extend or re-extend to those of you who are, I know that, that you're here. You're going through the, a struggle that you, you have said in many times, why am I going through this struggle? Why are people leaving me? Why am I going through 
the health challenges that I'm going through? Why am I going through the mental and emotional turmoil that I'm going through? God wants you to know there is a silver cloud on the other side if you will keep going through, though. That whatever the devil meant for evil, he's about to turn it for good. But you got to keep dreaming. You got to prepare. Because your labor is not in vain. And this thing that uh, has come, it, yes, it came to kill. It came to steal. It came to destroy. But you know Jesus has come. And he's come that you might have life. And that you might have your life, what? More abundantly. So I'm going to say to you, I'm not going to ask you to just come right now. But as soon as this service closed, you come. I'm going to stay right here. I may be sitting on the, on the pulpit, but you come and say, that's me. And we might not even get to, to fully discuss what that matter is today. Maybe it's one of those days where you're identifying yourself and I'm going to say, you know, let's spend a, a day. Let's spend an hour. Let's spend some time. And we're going to walk through and help you to get back on the path of victory. Everybody say victory. In 2023, victory, 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 because God wants to give you the victory. The devil wants you to think that you're defeated, but God wants to show you, I'm going to give you the victory. The battle is his, and the victory is ours. Hallelujah. Close your eyes for just a moment, if you would, please. This is not an altar call. This is a personal examination because we're going to receive communion at this time and then we're going to go out with a song but in 1st Corinthians the 11th chapter somewhere around the 20th verse it starts to tell us that there are people who took communion but they did not discern the Lord's body that they were selfish self-aggrandizing that they were all about themselves and not about helping anybody else and the Bible says they didn't really judge themselves how many of you know that there are people who everything that happens in life is somebody else's fault and sometimes it's not anybody else's fault you know some people will say you know I, I knew a guy he never went to work on time when he got to work he never did anything at work and when he got fired, he said, the boss didn't like me. Well, that might be true. The boss didn't like you, but the boss didn't like you because you never showed a work up on time. The boss didn't like you because you never did anything when you got to work. But he didn't judge himself. He was judging other people. And his problem was always connected to other people. And a lot of times, folks, your problems are not connected to anybody but you. And this is why before you receive communion, the Bible said you might want to take a look at you. David said this way. He said, Lord, help me. Search my heart. And that's why I ask you to close your eyes. And that's why I ask you to bow your head. And please do that. Because a lot of times people get in all kind of conversation and you ain't even thinking about God. You're now over into that place that Paul was trying to tell people. You're just about you. You don't even really come in fearfully, reverently consider what God has done for you. You don't ever see that you have a need to repent. Everybody else is wrong but you. But God is trying to say to you, can you see yourself? 
Can you look in the mirror and see yourself? You all know Michael Jackson when he was living, he wrote a song, Man in the Mirror. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. You need to look at the man in the mirror. See yourself. Stop blaming your brother. Stop blaming your sister. And take responsibility for perhaps the area you've been missing it in your life. And then you know that you're missing it. Ask God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And the Bible said, as a result, you won't be taking the Lord's Supper or the Lord's body in vain. You will realize it was all about forgiveness. And you have to forgive others. Even if they did you wrong, forgive them. Even if they didn't respond like you know they should have responded or you wanted them to respond, forgive them. Choose this day to just walk with God and commune with God fellowship with God. Keep a strong relationship with God. And it's called communion. Communion is come we get our word communication from that word. We get these thoughts we're to come in union. That's what communion is about. You're coming into union with God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're just going to walk with Him for the rest of your life. You're going to talk with Him for the rest of your life. Says, but pastor, so challenged that I can't see God. God said, well, then just look around, see people, and treat them like I would treat them. Love them like I would love them. And so, Father, as we look at ourselves, if there is any sin in us, lead us to the way that is everlasting. Whatever deeds, actions, or activities that we have been involved in that is not holy, that's not godly, that's not right, we repent and ask you to forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our trespasses, and we even now, Lord, ask you to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And we want to walk holy and worthy of you, Lord. You know, this was the assignment, and for some of you that didn't get that assignment, our church is researching the word holiness and writing one paragraph on that term. Why? Because God told us, be holy as I am holy. So if you are going to be that, you should know what that is. So what is holiness? If you couldn't stand here today and give, as it were, a recitation to the rest of this group on holiness, then you need to research it, and you need to write just one paragraph on what you found concerning holiness, and God said, then be that. Be holy as I am holy. The ushers are now going to hand you elements. If you'll open your eyes and look up, they are coming forward and they have these little elements. One of the things that God was trying to also say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is don't just grab it and, and, and you just take it because now you're showing it. I don't want to be in unity with anybody else. I just do my own thing. And that's what we were doing. And even to extreme measures in the church of Corinth, the Bible says they were bringing elaborate meals in there. And God says, you can eat at your own house. This is something sacred that you're eating. This is something. He said, and when you come in and you come in and you have these elaborate meals, you are making or, as it were, facilitating others who have nothing to feel less than nothing. Because you didn't come in with a mindset that you want to share anything. This is what I love about the book of Acts. It says they had things in common. They were willing to help one another. They were willing to take up what was theirs and give to another. 
That's what service in the kingdom is about. It's not about look at us and look what we've got and then eating all of your elaborate food in front of people who are really poor. And see, the slaves as well as the free were together in these houses of worship during that day. But they were making the people think that they were still at some type of class we are a higher class. You're, we're the middle class. We're the upper class. You're the lower class. Folks, uh, the kingdom of God is a classless society. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. There's nobody greater. There's nobody better. There's nobody uh, to exceed others. And this is why we say don't deify human beings. Don't deify a pastor. Don't deify a bishop. Don't deify people. There's only one deity, and it's God. There is something called respect, and God wants you to respect people, but he doesn't want you to deify them. You are never ever to have so much conversation about your pastor that you don't ever have a conversation about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. This cup represents Jesus. May I have a cup? Served them all except me. <laughs> Thank you. I love my babies. And my baby said, You can have my cup, Pastor. That's all right. I appreciate it, baby. I got it from there. Thank you. Amen. So you have a cup? I cut my fingernails really low, and I know some of you have a little time pulling that little wafer out, and I see some of you still tugging at it. But when you have fully extracted that little wafer from the top, hold it up. Just hold it up like this. And then that, that gives me an indication that you have now been able to pull it out of that little cellophane and you have the wafer. Why is it so flat? Why is it so tasteless? Because in the book, in the Old Testament, it represents and escaping of people who had no time to wait till the bread rose. How many of you know bread is supposed to rise? You're supposed to let it rest. They had no moments to let it rest, and they had to escape Egypt, and the bread didn't rise, and so it was flat and called unleavened. And so we, we follow that pattern that Jesus did something that couldn't wait. It had to be done right away. He had to die for your sin. He had to bleed on that cross. He had to lay in that tomb. And it had to be done. Otherwise, sin would have killed us all. Because the wages of sin said what? Death. What was God wanting to give us? Eternal life. Eternal life. And so it was that the children of Israel left out in a hurry. And the bread was unleavened. And Jesus said, I'm now going to become what? Your bread of life. See, folks, even back in the day, I don't think it's done as much today, but back in the day when a person was incarcerated, sometimes they would only get bread and water. But bread will sustain you. Some of you say, I don't eat bread because it makes me fat. But bread will sustain you. Bread will sustain you. And Jesus sustains us. He is the bread of life. I am what I am because of him. And I thank him. 
His body was broken. Break that wafer. Just snap it in your hand and then place it in your mouth. Here's the thing about this wafer. In order to truly properly digest it, you've got to use your mouth. You've got to crush it. In order to live a strong life as a Christian, you're going to have to use your mouth. That's how you crush the enemy. How do you crush the enemy? The Word of God. You speak the Word of God. You speak to yourself. You speak to the enemy. You speak to God. And the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart is what becomes acceptable to God. You overcome, he said, through this next element. The element said, how did they overcome? What were the obstacles? Many. How did they overcome the obstacles? They overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of the testament. So why do we call it the blood of the Lamb? Why is this cup called the blood of the Lamb? Well, it goes back again to the book of Genesis or Exodus, rather. The children of Israel are slaves and in captivity to the Egyptians. And God wants to set them free. You and I were a slave to sin, and God wanted to set us free. On that night, to help Pharaoh to know that he was not greater than God, and he could not keep God's people enslaved any longer. I mean, you know, God has already spoke to Satan and said, can't keep you enslaved any longer. That's what his blood. So that night, we're going back to the Old Testament again, Moses was instructing all of the people, we're going to make a sacrifice. A lamb is going to be slaughtered. That's why Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. But at this time, it was just a regular lamb, you know, one of those kind of lambs. And that lamb was slaughtered that night. And the blood that came from the lamb was put over the doorpost. If you want to know what we talk about when the doorpost, it means that they took the blood and they just wiped it over the doorpost. That's the entryway. And that blood over the doorpost. The Bible says that night an angel, a death angel, was going to pass over all of Egypt. The firstborn male in every family was going to die except blood be on the door. Wherever the blood was on the door, death had to pass over. Death had to pass over. Couldn't come into that house. Where there was no blood, death entered in, and the firstborn male died that night. Even Pharaoh's own child, because he didn't think he needed God. Had idol gods. Here's what would now take place. All through that night, there was weeping, there was screaming, there was crying. Even the firstborn male of animals died that night. The death angel. How many of you know the devil wanted to kill you? Now here comes the Lamb of God. John sees Jesus coming from afar, and that's what he described him as. He said, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. And so symbolically, Jesus became our lamb, our, everybody say, Passover. Why do we get the word Passover? What happened with the deaf angel? It had to pass over. What happens to the deaf angel today? He has to what? Pass over. Can't come to your house. Why? Because you covered by the blood that was shed 
by Jesus. What are we doing here this morning with this little cup? Symbolically. Not actually, but symbolically. We are remembering that blood was shed. Blood has been put over my house. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, God will condemn and prove it to be wrong. I overcome whatever obstacle may come my way because of what? The blood of the Lamb. Whatever that thing that came to kill, to destroy, it must do what? Pass over. Can't come to my house. The blood said, no trespassing. The blood said, no entry. The blood says, no way, baby. I'm covered. I'm surrounded, I'm blessed, I'm protected. So I don't want you to just take the cup, because as a child, I just took the cup. I didn't have no meaning, understanding of what it meant. I was just taking the cup. It used to be in nice little pretty glasses, though. You all understand why we went to this way? Because why? Some of y'all don't never wash your hands. You were reaching there, grabbing the crackers, and reaching over all the crackers. We white people pick their nose, and then they won't go into the tray. And so we said, that's, that's not clean. That's not the cleanly way to do it. And so that's why these little packages were developed. Pastor just lays it out to you like it is. Because we wanted you to know you've been cleansed and how God's elements are to serve is to be done in a very clean, but very spiritual way, realizing that we need to be, what, conscious that we judge ourselves, aware that after we judge ourselves and ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and just to forgive. And that, that the bread represents that we are what? That he is our bread of life. That the cup represents the blood that he shed so that what? All types of attacks have to what? Pass over. And we remember, how do we get our victories? Because of the blood of Jesus. So take the cup together. Oftentimes, people will ask me, why do we have to do it in blood? Everything that retains to life when it comes to human beings, come to the mammal population, it always has blood. Moms who gave birth to children did not blood have to be shed for your child to come into the earth. Absolutely. And so blood, blood, what happens in your body with blood? All of you have heard me say this before. What happens? If I take Nala, come here. <laughs> she said, oh, Pastor, got me on the spot. If I took Nala, and, and, and everybody see Nala, pretty little girl. But if I took all of the blood out of Nala, what would Nala be? Not alive anymore. So where, where is our life? It's in the blood. What takes all of the oxygen to our body? Our blood. What takes all of the waste out of our body? The blood. So Jesus chose the appropriate symbol to help us to see life is in the blood. And our life is because of his blood that was shed on all our behalf. Amen? We got it. I hope you got it at home as well. Thank you, darling. Stand to your feet with me. We're going to give the benediction. 
Do remember that little sheet of paper that we gave you and says, hey, we've got some things that we love to give you. You'll need to meet us around at the garage. Uh, I'll hopefully have some young men, some men like Tim that'll help me, and we'll pull this stuff out. Men like Toby, maybe you can help me. We'll pull this stuff out, and we'll share it with our brothers and our sisters. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands toward heaven. Why does pastor like people to rip? Why do he want children to raise their hand? Why does he want adults to raise their hand? Because this, it means surrender. Even if you were in the natural and the police were chasing you and you put your hands up like this, what are you saying to him? I surrender. Even if you were on the battlefield in a war and you put your hands up here, even the enemy knows, I surrender. Well, what are we surrendering to? We're surrendering to God. God knows how to live life better than we do. God knows how to help us better than we can help ourselves. And so he's saying, will you surrender though? Because I'm not going to make you. I need you to be willing to surrender. And then the songwriter wrote a song and it says, Lord, well, I surrender all. And that's what we should do, surrender all to Jesus. And then these surrendered lives, God, use us however you want to do. Help us dream and dream big and help us to get as this portion of the message was, prepared. Because God wants to use a prepared people. And he has prepared a way for prepared people. And we are going to live in him. We live in him. We're going to move. And in him we're going to have our being. We're blessed. And now we're going out so that we can be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you. Those of you at home watching, God bless you. We love you. See you on Wednesday, 6.30 prayer, 7.30 Bible study. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org. 